I feel as though I, I do have a great, um, you know, intuition when it comes to genuine good people. I, I, I feel that I can, you know, with my team that I've built, they I automatically felt that with them. Um, and to me, that is more important than perhaps the skill set that you have. If I feel that you're a trustworthy person, that to me is like, I'm going to open the doors for you. So that's probably something that I do look for more than anything with my hires. I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline the Podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. This episode is produced in partnership with Estee Lauder and it's a continuation of our Self-Care Sundays mini-series. I sit down with some of the brand's inspiring ambassadors and friends to have an honest conversation about their careers, businesses, life on the other side of the filter, fashion, beauty, and today, confidence. What does that word mean to women? And what does having more of it actually help us to achieve? So if you already adore following women like Pip Edwards and Eleanor Pendleton, Estee Lauder and I hope you enjoy getting to know them on a deeper level. You can find more episodes from our partnership in season three, four, and five. My next guest is a new friend of the brand's, and she's someone I actually hadn't met before. Gab Waller is one of Australia's most exciting young entrepreneurs. She's taken her unique talents for styling, customer service, and deep relationship building and turned them into a global product sourcing service. Gab is on speed dial for some of the most followed women on the planet, securing their must-have, sold-out, or yet-to-be-released pieces. In her own words, she's a treasure hunter. Her celebrity client roster sounds a bit like Rosie Huntington-Whiteley, Hayley Bieber, and Lily Aldridge, and that's just the ones she can name. Now, I know sometimes fashion can feel a bit fickle, and I think we're all waking up to the way we consume it, but there's no denying that it gives us the one thing we need to show up as the best version of ourselves, confidence. In this episode, I asked Gab to share more about that. How has she seen fashion change a woman's perception of herself? She also shares her breakthrough moment, why it's important to push through rejection, how she's thinking about scaling her business, finding and building her support team, how to develop deep relationships with clients and brands, the lessons she's learned the hard way, and how she's thinking about circularity in our need-it-now consumer culture. I hope you adore this honest conversation. Here's Gab and I for this special Self-Care Sundays episode in partnership with Estee Lauder. I'm really excited to talk to you and also to get to know you a bit. Um, You've established a very incredible 
service and company and something that feels quite unique actually in this market. So for those of, or for anyone who doesn't know you or what you do, can you explain to us who you are and and what you do? Perfect. So I specialize in sourcing pieces that are sold out or are in high demand. I look at my business as being split into two different sections. There's personal shopping and there is product sourcing. So I feel that my reputation has been built predominantly on the product sourcing part. That's where a client will come to me with a specific sourcing request. So, hey, Gab, can you find me these shoes in a size 40? And it is my job essentially to hunt them down globally. Mm-hmm. It's a fun job, right? Yeah, it's a little treasure hunter. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk a little bit about where that kind of energy comes from, but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Can you share with us, I guess, for the women listening who are interested in fashion and careers in fashion, yes. what was your career track before launching your .com? Was that in 2018? It was, yes. So I, back when I first started, I knew that I wanted to be in fashion. I grew up in a very small town, so to work in fashion was this huge big deal for me, but I didn't really know what specific area. I knew that there was plenty of different options to go through. So I started off interning. So I kind of interned with a magazine. I was in a boutique um, and I kind of dabbled my feet in all different areas to see kind of what I felt most passionate about. And in the end, I did land on styling. I, at, at that time, personal shopping wasn't even on my radar, um, but styling is where I did land. And that is essentially the pathway that I took, which led me to discovering this world of personal shopping and what I do now with the product sourcing. Because I feel like, yeah, a few years ago, even, I mean, I don't know, five years ago, personal shopping, I mean, it feels like a real luxury. Like what do you find in terms of clientele? And maybe if you go back a little bit to when you were styling more and then moving into personal shopping, what's the shape of the client? Are these women who just don't know what to buy or are they women who are very specific about their taste and want you to go out and source that stuff for them? Yes. So I would say my clients, nine times out of 10, are specific with what they are after. So they have, you know, an upcoming event, they've got the outfit planned, but they're missing the shoes and they know what shoes they want. They just are unable to locate them themselves. So I feel that my clients know their style. It's not my job now to style them. I realized when I was in styling that although I'm grateful for that opportunity and and it leading to where I am now, I never felt one, passionate about it, like what I feel now with my job. But secondly, like, and surprisingly, perhaps I never felt confident styling Mm. other women. Like I I feel very confident styling myself. I have my style aesthetic down pat. But when it came to like physically being in a room, I just, although I, you know, perhaps um, put myself out there and, and, you know, paved through that fear, I never really felt confident doing it. So that is why I feel um, when with my line of work now, nine times out of client, sorry, nine times out of 10 clients do know exactly what they're after Mm. and it's my job simply to locate it for them. So it's kind of like flipped the switch on that. I've always wondered about styling and stylus in Mm. that, how do you put 
and maybe this is why it was hard, is how do you put space between your personal aesthetic Mm. and what you see for them? Like this would look so good on you and how they see themselves. Is that what was challenging about it? Absolutely. Like that is, it's summed up in a shell. I feel that when I went into a room and was going to star someone, like I didn't want to just make everyone like gabs. (laughs) And I didn't really know how to discover other people's style and style them their way. I kind of just, I knew what, I know how I style myself and that's kind of the challenge and the barrier that I faced in the styling world. Yeah. 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 Because a bit of an aversion when you don't like a different style. style yes. To, yes. Yes. I, I agree. agree with that. Um, let's talk about, um, I guess, the breakthrough moment for mm-hmm. you and your business. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, you sourced an old Celine coat for Rosie Huntington-Whiteley mm-hmm. and she put it on her Instagram, thanking yes. you for it. How did that come about? Like how does one get connected with Rosie? Rosie. Yeah. Yeah. So would you believe it is pretty much two years to this day next week when she posts them oh, on wow. her Instagram? I know. So it's like crazy how time flies. But basically um, – I was six months in on running my business and in December of, it would have been uh, 2018, December 2018, um, Rosie posted on her story saying, can anyone find me this code? I'm looking for this code. And it was funny because like Rosie's fans even created like Instagram accounts saying like, or hashtags, you know, help Rosie find the code. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, it was like so much dedication. And I remember seeing that post and I knew that a boutique that I was previously speaking with in Denmark had the code. So I said to myself, I'm 90% sure I can get that. But how am I going to contact Rosie like this? If I DM her, she won't see it. So I left it and it was about a week or two later, a mutual friend of ours that's in the States messaged me and said, um, like, hi, I'm speaking with Rosie. Do you think you can get her this code? Like my friend had seen what I was up to for the past six months. Mm. And although like I had, you know, maybe a thousand followers followers on Instagram, I was very tiny and I was only well, wasn't even well known in Australia. I had very small um, amount of clients here, but... I responded and I said, yes, I think I can. And she said, great, DM Rosie. She's going to keep an eye out for your message. I DM'd her and that's how it all unfolded. It's amazing. Yeah. I've heard she's one of the kindest, oh, sweetest, absolutely. nicest. And this is a thing is like it doesn't matter how big you get. I think your moral code and character remains. But yes. that doesn't surprise me that she would like keep a lookout for your Absolutely. And the fact that she did post it Mm. on her stories and her feed, she had no obligation to do that. And I've said to her many times, like, you changed the direction of my life by doing that. And I get goosebumps thinking about it because it was life changing. Mm. Yeah. That's huge. People, yeah. I mean, I guess I can't, I don't know what it would be like to have that type of influence. But there would have to be a consciousness about those decisions, I think, to say, like, who am I going to lend my name to my platform to? So, I mean, I guess I see that as a credit to you and your service and your hard work Mm -hmm. because she must have been really impressed. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Deserving. Thank you. Um, So you obviously work with the likes of Rosie, but also other big names like Hayley Bieber and Lily Aldridge. Mm -hmm. Do you mainly service celebrities and kind of top tier fashion clients or could literally anyone work with you? Anyone. Yes. It's always been very, very important 
to me from day one. And I feel that this is who I am personally. So it only makes sense to bring it into my professional life, but I am inclusive to all. And I'm so, so, um, you know, strong on that, that if it's a client, you know, a 21 year old client and she's purchasing her first Chanel bag, or it is, you know, a, a high profile celebrity, I will treat them the exact same. And my clients know that it's kind of something that I've been, you know, known for now. And I'm I'm very proud of that because it is just, it's a trait that, like I said, I hold personally and it just comes off naturally in my business. Mm. Yeah. Is there a bit of a rush though, when a high profile name comes through, like that must be quite surreal to be like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it definitely, I, I do have those moments, especially because like I said a bit earlier, I'm from a small town. I'm this random girl in Australia. I wasn't known in Australia, let alone internationally. So when these names do reach out to me, it's like, it's that moment of, my gosh, like this is happening to me. So yeah, I don't think that will ever get old. And Mm. it's something I really, really appreciate. Mm. Yeah. I'd be like, oh my God. (laughs) Um, So tell us then how people actually work with you, because I read that it's a lot through DM, which I thought was kind of interesting as a business model. Yes. So the business has been built on Instagram. There's a number of reasons for that, but I like keeping my communications on Instagram. Number one is um, I do have a team that helps support my inbox because we do receive hundreds of requests a day. So it is um, quite hectic, but we have introduced a really great procedure to keep that all under control. But I found that when I was receiving requests through email or through WhatsApp or through text, it was challenging for me to like connect with the client because I couldn't see them. I may have known their name, but for me, I'm really personal with my clients. So I like to instantly know like who they are, where they're from. You know, we may have mutual friends on Instagram. So that kind of automatically develops a stronger relationship as if they were to come through email and I didn't know that connection. So I love keeping it on Instagram for that factor in that part. Um, and I just feel it's really helped develop more um, personal relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if you um, if you worry at all or are you mm-hmm. kept up at night thinking about platforms like Instagram, building a business on a third-party platform? Mm-hmm. Like I guess I wonder do you think about how it scales outside of that platform or like, I don't know, part of me is like I'd be thinking bottoms if Instagram just shut Shut tomorrow. Yes, yes. I mean, I definitely have a a strong database outside of that with all of my clients' details. So, you know, touch wood. Goodness, I mean, it's a scary thought, absolutely. But I feel that, um, you know, my clients, it's my name now. So my clients, you know, if Instagram shuts down tomorrow, my clients, I still I am in touch with them through other means. So I feel as though naturally they would follow to the next platform, yeah. whatever that may be for yeah. the future. There'll be another one. There'll be another Isn't one. Isn't it weird to yes. think about it? It's like, what will oh. be next? I didn't, um, I I don't have a TikTok account. I was about to say TikTok, yeah. But I, I have the app and I, yes. you know, sometimes have a bit of a late night scroll. <laughs> And um, I think it's one of those things where maybe it's our end of the industry. It's hard to know how to be on there. Oh, my God, I mean? I've got ideas, but I'm like, 
I don't know if I'm comfortable on there, but um, <gasps> but like TikTok's one, but there'll be something, won't yes. there? I actually just got invited to that um, clubhouse. Oh my goodness, what is this? Okay. Because I saw, I've seen the name a few times now, and they're like groups, and mm-hmm. what is it? So I haven't curious. had a proper play because I literally got an invitation and then downloaded the app on the weekend. Yes. And so I haven't actually been in there properly. But from what I can see, it's um, audio-based only conversation. So it's basically like if you think about old school chat rooms before everything else, it's like chat rooms but audio. So you kind of listen to conversations. People moderate conversations about different things. But it's definitely more of a, a networking app than I think like a social media, like it's not visual, obviously, yes. so you can't see people. Yes. It feels to me a bit more like a younger person's LinkedIn. Okay. That ah. you're actually kind of, yeah, so you can connect with, like it gives you um, suggestions of who to follow based on what you do yes. and what you're interested in. I'm going to look, And then yeah. they give you a notification when that person might be in a room discussing a particular subject. So it could be like... Um, like VC or like, you know, raising money. It could be yes. marketing strategies. It could be spirituality. Oh my god! So I'm it's quite cool. Yes. And I think, I guess, with anything, it's like remember. I don't know if you do remember, but Pinterest used to be invite only. It you know in the beginning, yeah, you had to have an invitation kidding. to pin. Oh my god! And I think it's an interesting strategy of people like the exclusivity. You just want to be on it. Yeah. Kind of yes. even more. But, Isn't um, that fascinating? Yes. Yeah. But anyway. Um, oh, I'm going to check that out. But it's true. Should. I feel as though, I mean, I definitely have my eye on TikTok, but I'm the same. I have an account. And, oh, goodness, it's so addictive to it just is. sit there scrolling. But, yeah, it's um, it's something that I've got my eye on for yeah. sure. And That's then like how a- are you thinking about, I guess, scale otherwise? Like mm-hmm. it's quite a one-to-one service you obviously have a team which we'll talk about yes but how do you how are you thinking about the future of your business in terms of what you can potentially achieve yes perfect so I I mean I'm sure I can share this now when it comes out I was um planning on relocating to the states last year oh wow went through the whole um visa process I've got my visa And that was basically the next move in the business. Um, The US is one of my fastest growing client markets. So it definitely makes sense as the next move to at least, you know, short term to to base myself there. Um, The visa got approved in September and and right now as we speak, I'm kind of just holding out until things calm down over there. Um, But yeah, in terms of long-term, that is probably more of a short-term move for the business. I do, um, yeah, like I said, COVID's played a huge part in the Mm. the travelling aspect of the job. You know, I would love to have been able to um, travel to, because I, you know, I have clients globally and and meet them face-to-face. And again, that was a, a plan for last year. But we shall see. It is going to happen, um, but it's kind of just playing it out now for when I am able to do that move. Yeah, and I guess politically it's a much better climate for you to be entering into and we'll just get through this <sighs> yes. awfulness that's going on yes. right now, I guess, at the time of recording. Yeah, yeah. I did live in LA back in 2016 for a year and I loved it. And I remember leaving and I saw like immigration lawyers and they said, you've got no chance. Like you, I haven't been to university, so I don't have a degree. And they did tell me about this 
thing called the O1 visa. And again, they said, you have no press, no media, no recognition to your name. And that was, yeah, a bit of a, like a stab in the heart, but fast forward, what is it? Like, like I'll show you. <laughs> yes, I was like, I'll prove you. And then, yeah, the O1 is the visa I got. And okay. that's, you know, thanks to my clients and my press that I have received um, to be able to get that across the line. So the fact that I have it, it would almost be silly for me to not use it after all this time. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, need to make the well, most of exciting. it. That's exciting. Yeah. If I make it over there, we'll have to well, connect absolutely. again. Absolutely. Yes, please. As you know, this episode is proudly made possible by Offline's longtime partner, Estee Lauder. Across four seasons now, we've explored the importance of nighttime routines, my guests' relationship with aging, and now confidence. What is our collective relationship to that word? And what does having more of it actually help us to achieve? As someone who's interacting with high-profile clients and fashion houses daily, I was curious to learn about what confidence means to Gab. So I do feel that it means being comfortable in your own skin and understanding that you are unique and that you as an individual, there's nobody else like you. And I think at a lot of times we can get caught up on what others have and, you know, you want that or that and you want to change this about yourself and I've definitely had those thoughts but I feel at the end of the day what I come back to and and what builds my confidence is to know that there is nobody else like me and and we're all unique so that kind of brings me back together when Mm. I do feel myself moving into those thoughts like comparison yeah or saying you know I want that hair or whatever it may be but yeah, just just remembering that we're all individuals. And Otherwise, it would be really fucking boring. Absolutely. We yeah, we want to be different. We want to be unique. So yeah, yeah, that's really nice. And then, can you talk to us about confidence through the lens of fashion? I'd love to know how you've seen fashion sort of change a woman's perception of herself. Like it's yes. very, it can seem really kind of, I guess low frequency and fickle, but it's very powerful. Absolutely. Yes. This is probably a big thing for me because it is, I feel, what essentially got me into fashion, realizing the difference that it makes when I will put on a, a particular outfit. Going back to my high school days and being in a small town, it was like it made me feel so good when I would like find a special fashion piece, if it was like a dress, whatever it may be, that nobody else had. And I could, you know, stand out and be different. And it was growing up and having those experiences that I felt that like, wow, like fashion has this power to like change how you feel and how you carry yourself essentially. Mm. I mean, a pair of heels, like I may be in my flats and I'm going out for dinner that night. And as soon as I get changed and put on my heels and whatever it may be, like instantly, like my mood will boost. And I feel that, like you said, that's so powerful. Mm. I actually was wiring your shoes now. Oh, <laughs> I love them. They're newbies. Very comfy. They are very, very, comfy. very special. I um, naively went into the Chanel boutique <laughs> in Bondi Junction the other day. Yes. And just because like with the baby, I was like, I deserve something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Anything. And um, it's been a really long time since I've shopped, like yeah. in my old role. 
it was all about that new season oh, shoe and bag and stuff. And so I had all of that. And then it's been a couple of years since I've indulged. So I've got yeah. a lot of beautiful kind of more vintage pieces, but not a lot of new stuff. So I thought, fuck this. I'm going I've in. been good, yeah. you know. <laughs> and um, I went in thinking I'm going to go and buy those dad sandals. Yes. And she was so sweet. She was like, um, we're sold out oh. countrywide. I was like, oh. <laughs> I don't know why I thought I could wander in and get a black pair of clothes. <laughs> So even you know that's hilarious. It was oh, literally a couple no. of days ago. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I'm sure they get asked so much. It's become <laughs> the norm. But those sandals, it still blows my mind that they are the most requested sandals that I still receive. Really? Yeah. It's are they? Can you get them? I can. Can yes, you? We'll have to chat. Maybe we should <laughs> chat. <laughs> yes. But then I'm like, I don't know. It's one of those things with investment pieces. Mm. I'm always worried I've missed the boat oh. where I'm like, was it really a six months ago thing oh, and am I better yes. to get? What do you think about that? So for the sandals, I would personally actually say that they are a good investment. Chanel have keep continuing to bring them out and it, it's proven that they are just so popular. I mean, I have the ones from last year, the black with like little gold detailing. Um, and not only do I wear them all the time, but I feel like they will never date. They This particular style, like the dad sandal as such, they did it like years and years ago. So that tells me it's a good mm-hmm. investment, especially when you think of cost per wear. I always consider that. Like I don't want to buy something if I'm just going to wear it once or twice. And those sandals I, I live in, I love them. Maybe we yes. need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, yes. Um, can we talk a little bit about the fashion industry? So... I guess I have different experience because I was media side. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be quite elitist um, mm-hmm. and I don't think that that's a secret. And I do know that brands can also be very particular with who they want wearing their pieces in terms yes. of like influencers and celebrities. Yes. What's been your experience? Like perhaps on one side in terms of sourcing for particular clients Mm -hmm. and then also as a business owner, is there still that level of acceptance that has to happen or is that more of a figment of my imagination? Hmm. I mean, I feel like it is a good question. I feel from my perspective, me going in on the earlier days, I was technically a, a consumer. So I really needed to prove that I was going to be a, what's the word, like worth their while because I needed to be a high spending client in order to now have access to these pieces, et cetera, et cetera. So I would say in the early days, I did need to kind of, you know, force my way in a little bit more and being someone that wasn't well known in the fashion industry, especially here in Australia, that wasn't the easiest. I definitely got a lot of pushbacks and a lot of no's, but I think when you kind of like believe in your vision and believe in what you're doing, you just need to persevere through that. Um, But yeah, in terms of the brands themselves, from an influencer perspective, I don't feel I can really touch on that because I I don't see myself as that, but more so from a consumer perspective. perspective I did feel in those early days I, I did have to prove and and at the end of the day relationships are everything that's mm-hmm. what my business is completely built on so it was like for those first six months or even prior to launching I really made a conscious 
effort of developing and strengthening those relationships. Yeah. Well, can we talk a little bit about that? Because as you're saying, as a business that really the foundation of your business is access and is relationships. Yes. How do you approach developing relationships with brands more than I would say clients? Because I guess the clients are more coming to you, so there's less work on your side. Yes. But what are kind of your tips and your kind of method for um, gaining that trust? Yes. I mean, it may sound silly because... I feel like it's like the basic basics and it's like the one-on-one, but just being like a genuine, kind person is like, you'll be surprised. Like that's just, I feel like that's 101 and it's the basics, but I feel like that is what essentially got me in the door. I do consider myself a very kind, genuine person. So that is how I kind of got my foot in the door. And from there, it's kind of, you know, you do have to make a like a conscious effort to reach out and be proactive you can't just sit back and and think that it is going to come to you um but yeah constantly being in communications I'm I love communicating like written verbal that's what my again my business has been built off um yeah so I feel like those two things combined Mm -hmm. really made a huge difference for me to be able to establish those relationships I think the proactivity is huge like so much of what I hear, I do some personal career and business coaching with different people. And I think we have this idea in our head that it's going to come to us. Mm. And actually so much of it is that forward thinking, planning, very strategic conversations. Putting yourself in front of people is really hard. Yes. Because that fear of rejection, how have you dealt with rejection because I know now it's different because you're just getting no's on product. Yes. But in those early days when brands were just like wouldn't respond or like no (laughs) go away, how did you deal with that Um, from a confidence perspective? So I feel that my, I mean, I don't know where it came from. Maybe it is just um, it comes naturally to me. It's how I grew up. But I do have that personality. I'm very ambitious. And when somebody tells me no, it fuels me even more. I guess like, for example, when I was told no to the visa, they said, no chance, you're never going to have it. And every inch of me said, no, 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 like I'm going to get that visa no matter what it takes. So I think having that like desire and ambition to really push through the rejection, because I feel in life, you're going to get hundreds of no's but all you need is that one yes Mm. and it's out there I promise you it's out there like the rosy yes the rosy yes absolutely like if I had of early on said like all these no's all these pushbacks and just kind of you know fallen flat on my face and said okay well this isn't working that never would have happened so Mm. it's just kind of accepting that it is going to happen it may not happen it may happen once or twice or hundreds of times but you just need to keep pushing and Mm -hmm. believe in yourself because you're going to get that one yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful stuff Mm. and I think it's like that's where the resilience comes in. Yes. It's not personal but it feels personal. 100%. They don't know who you are. Yeah. They're answering one of 150 emails in the day. Yeah. You're just another one of those. So they're not thinking about you and your feelings but I think we take it so personally like it's a reflection of us or our character, our worth. Yes, I agree. When actually it's not, but it's hard in the moment, isn't it? I agree 100%. The other thing I was interested to talk to you about is, I guess, discretion. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I'm assuming, well, I know it plays a very key role in your business and I guess your reputation when working with really high profile people. Yeah. How have you navigated the boundaries? And I guess, where did you learn that? What I would call like executive presence of like knowing how to be mm-hmm. with really high profile people and how much you can talk about them and not talk yeah. about them and yeah, publicize working with them versus not. Yes. Yeah. I consider myself personally to be a very private person. I've always just, I've maybe it's a, a struggle. I've just always kind of struggled to put myself out there more. So I am very private when it comes to like my uh, personal life, for example. So I feel that that has just come off again naturally in my professional work. In the early days, especially, you know, working with Rosie, et cetera, I always ask for permission on everything. Can I repost this? Can I, um, you know, say that I source this? Can I do this? And I think that built the trust and then now we just know it's, you know, I can, it's free reign. I can repost it. Um, but yeah, I think it is absolutely, like you said, it's essential to my job. And I feel that it comes down to, again, having that personal relationship because they trust me and they mm. know that I would never breach that or do anything out of line to to um, damage that in any yeah. way. I think that could get to some people's heads pretty quickly. Oh, you know what I mean? Yes, Like yes. feeling like that that's kind of their story to tell and, you know, it's kind of that, I guess celebrity by association yes, type thing. So it's kind of cool to hear that. So your advice is you just shut up and ask questions until. Yes, absolutely. And there are times where um, there are instances of pieces that I've sourced and I, I, it is private. I'm not able to share what it is or who it was for. And that is just something that I'll forever keep close to me as something that's amazing. I was, um, a part of that and, and am still a part of that, but I am not able to share mm. it. So, yeah, it is just something that um, it's just this line of work, like you just have to be yeah. lip-sealed. Discreet. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're all kind of re-exploring, well, I certainly am, this, I guess, this notion and concept of privacy mm. and what do we want for ourselves and our businesses and yeah can our businesses actually be more successful behind closed doors than if we're constantly ramming it down people's, you know, shoving it down people's throats? And I guess that's an interesting thing that I think we're going to be seeing more of in the next 12 to 24 months. I think a lot of people, perhaps through COVID, are withdrawing a little bit. Mm, What do you think? I agree. I agree. I'm not sure if you saw just recently within the past week, Bottega Veneta cancelled their account. Yes. And so I've been reading a lot of the the press on that and and that has been that's so interesting this massive brand has decided to completely shut off kind and go of at private. the height of their peak. Yeah. That's it. What's so, the um what were they saying about that in terms of like is that a strategy or I yes, they do think it is, but I guess at this stage Nobody really knows what. It certainly has a lot of people talking, which I find really interesting. Um, but I love Daniel. I feel like he is a complete genius. So um, he's a method to the madness. Yes. And he's, I, I love also that his work speaks for itself. Like it really is so powerful because them shutting off their social media isn't going to affect their sales. Like, because that's what I wondered though. To- I was like, 
if you've got X amount of million followers, mm-hmm. is that not like the direct sales channel to all of those people or is it strategically that by taking that access away, people want it more? People want it more, yeah. Why I are mean, we so fucked up like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good question. Isn't that so true? What you can't have, you, you want, want even more. Um, yeah, that is yeah. true. I mean, that's half of what my business has been built on. That's exactly so, right. It's crazy. Um, tell us about global entrepreneurship because, of course, you're based in Australia right now, potentially the US, but you have clients all around the world. Yes. How have you navigated starting a business and a global business, but also finding a team? I know you've, Mm. I think you've got people in different countries, places, because obviously our time zone is just rubbish for anything. But how have you navigated that? Because do you have like small business experience or? Ah, so prior to this, no, I didn't. Um, So I feel that every decision I've made has been something that has been, um, you know, calculated, but I've really been like smart in every business decision. When I first started the business, I did um, maybe two weeks after launch, have an assistant in Paris, Amory, who's still with me to this day. Um, And he has been, you know, the the backbone. I think for me, something I've also semi-struggled with is it's my baby and opening those doors up to other people and letting the team in has been so hard and I'm so grateful right now that I do have a team of about six now that, you know, I trust them completely and they are just the absolute best. But I feel as though, you know, if I could give advice to anyone, I probably made the mistake of holding out too long to make my first hire because I was just so afraid. This is me. (laughs) Oh, it is? (laughs) Yes. And then as soon as I just let go of that fear and bring my first girl on, like the weight off my shoulders, I cannot tell you how amazing mm. that was. Um, but yes, that has been probably something that was, you know, looking back at the business, that was probably one of the most challenging parts of it. And finding date. the right people, I think, yes. is really hard. How have you found your help? Sure. So I would say, um, I mean, I can talk how I met them one by one, but I feel as though I, I do have a great, um, you know, intuition when it comes to genuine good people. I, I feel that I can, you know, with my team that I've built, they I automatically felt that with them. Um, and to me, that is more important than perhaps the skill set that you have. If I feel that you're a trustworthy person that to me is like, I'm going to open the doors for you. So that's probably something that I do look for more than anything with my hires. Like this year alone, we've hired two new full-timers. Wow, congratulations. Amazing. And that's something that I looked for. You know, can I trust you? Yeah, because you can teach the rest. Absolutely. That's exactly, like that's, I'm definitely living proof of that this past year. So Yeah. yeah. Do you have quite... um, I guess, intricate training systems in that so much of your, well, your business is your name. Yes. And yes. that's your your reputation and the way you communicate is a big yes. part of your brand. Yes. Did you set down like communication guidelines of like, yes. here's how we speak, here's how we, yes. you know, reply on email? Correct. And it is polished. Like I'm very OCD when it comes to communication. Like I said, I love written, I love verbal communication. So 
Definitely. When um, so it was about last December, I brought on like a business manager, and she really helped me develop. Um, yeah, like you said, communication guidelines. We have our processes and our systems, so that it really is concise. So no matter if you're speaking to me or if you're speaking to one of my assistants, we're communicating the same way, the same language, and I feel that's been kind of essential to just building the trust even more with my clients because I felt, you know especially as we grow, my biggest fear was letting go of certain mm. parts and my team coming in because it was a fear that my clients would say, oh, you know, where's but Gab? I want Gab. Like, I want Gab. And that was just, like, I mean, I've definitely got a lot of advice from other business owners in that area, especially business owners where it's their name, Gab Waller. And so you expect to speak with Gab, but it's it's surprising. Like clients, they they really don't mind. My assistant is amazing. Um, and so you're going to get the exact same level of service from her or if you're speaking with me. So how do you divvy up the work now? Is there particular clients that you will only ever service yourself? Is that how it works? So I feel as though I'm still very actively involved with the client communications. Um, I, If I could pick the most favorite part of my job, it is that I love speaking to clients all day, every day. Um, so there's not as such any clients that are, are purely just mine. There are some that do prefer to DM me personally on my personal Instagram. Um, and those communications will always just go through myself. But I would say about 80% of clients um, do go through the the general gabola.com Instagram. And I would say again, you know, 50% of the time it's myself responding and the other 50% is either two of my assistants, Grace or Aisha. Um, and we and the clients always know who they're speaking with. So I do have a full-time assistant in um, London, Aisha, and she does assist with all my communications when I'm offline. So that was yeah. a huge game changer for the business to be able to say, okay, amazing. I can have my nights back because I can finish at six or seven or whatever it may be and she handles it the whole way through. Were you just working like 24 7 before? Oh oh yes because I was I was freaking out if I if I I'd have to try and stay up as late as possible to like get through all the dms and then if I I didn't want to wake up with as many messages so yeah Mm -hmm. it was it was certainly mayhem before I got help and yeah what a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. I can't imagine and also like we can't grow a global business with everyone in one place. Exactly. You know what I mean? So yes. again, it's that trust, I think, to find people in the markets that yeah. you have strength in or that you've got growth in. Yes. Yeah. That's and that it. trust with them to know that when you're asleep. Yes, they've got it. And yeah, they're just like, yeah, with my team, I feel that we are also close, especially because, like you said, we're all based in different country so the, how do you manage that and it's just maybe because we are a small team um it's easier for us now but yeah what do you use like slack or something to communicate uh through so we have whatsapp we have a lot of whatsapp groups going um and then for like we do zooms or if we're doing um video meetings we'll do zoom or google meet yeah google uh-huh. meet I like. okay yeah. whatsapp yes um talk to us about I guess the biggest lesson you've learned so far in business and I always like it when it doesn't have to be like I don't think anything's a failure yeah but like talk to us about something that if one comes to mind that's been like a hard lesson to learn does anything pop up for you I always prefer those over the like 
shiny, happy ones because yes. it's like we don't really learn that much yeah. in those situations. I mean, there's probably two parts. The one is that I made, like I briefly just touched on where I made the mistake of holding off too long on making my first hire. If I could rewind back to 2019 when the business was just manic with explosion. It was post-Rosie. And I really did believe that I could do it all. And if I had have just kind of let go of that um, perfectionism, yeah, yeah, I just wanted everything. Because I I do have that. I want everything to be perfect. So if I had to let go of that, um, yeah, I could have hired earlier and and a lot of stress from that year would have been taken away from me. Um, And this is perhaps just one that's, it's, it's just because it's um, it applies to me. It may not apply to everyone. I guess everyone's businesses are, are set up differently and may not be too helpful for anyone. But I made the mistake, funnily enough, of waiting too long to switch to a company. I was a sole trader for so long. And if, I, if someone had told me 12 months earlier, hey, like you need to switch over ASAP. No, tax-wise. Taxed <laughs> ASAP. Storm. So that's something that I was just, yeah, if, if it could help someone. And again, you would have to get advice from your accountant. Um, but yeah, I got slammed with tax and it was a it's a wake up call. Wake isn't up it? Like, yeah. And this is the thing is we don't know what we don't know. I was exactly the same. I had had advice to stay as a sole trader for my first year, which I did. Yes. And then to be transparent, so if any, everyone always wants to know like how much this stuff cost. Yes. I think it cost me about $1,300 to have my accountant set me up as a business. Yeah. And, um, and talk me through the benefits of that because yeah. I was like, why yes. do I need one? And then when she did the tax breakdown for me, I was like, Oh, oh, yes, it is like game changing. Oh, my God. Yes. So that's really good advice. I think a lot of people wonder when yes. is the right time to do that. So for yes. me it was 12 months. Was yours a couple of years? It was, yes. It was pro- oh, I'd probably say a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I, yeah, I could have done it a year and a half earlier and it would have made a nice little difference. But <laughs> now we know. Um, so, yeah, that's something that is a big learning um, experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes. I feel for you. I know those tax bills. Oh, um, yes. I wondered if you – I think I can assume that you do think about it, but how you're thinking about sustainability and circularity. Mm-hmm. I know you would source a lot of vintage, mm-hmm. especially older pieces that – are no longer in kind of um, circulation. Yeah. Do you think a lot about, I guess, the impact of your business in this kind of need it now, want it now consumer culture? Because mm-hmm. a lot of what people are wanting are that brand new item. Yeah. So how do you think about that from a, I guess, a business owner perspective if you project into the future of like, what am I contributing to? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I do feel that my part kind of comes into play like where you said with those vintage and previous season pieces with previous season pieces I love sourcing from other clients that are actually getting rid of those pieces mm. so I'm kind of just working as the middleman to source it from that client and then on sell it to that client and I feel that is um, playing a huge part in that sustainability function and how that is a huge part of, of fashion for the next few years and beyond. Um, With new season pieces, I feel too, as everything is, even though it is new season, it is still very select. Like clients will want 
you know, that particular shoe or whatever it may be. Um, and it is Versus all of it. All of it. Yeah. That's exactly it. It's very put that one particular piece that they may want as opposed to like let's buy the whole collection or, or let's buy, you know, 10 of those T-shirts. It's just that one T-shirt that they're unable to locate. Mm. So, yeah. I think it's encouraging to see some of the more, I guess, high fashion premium brands going seasonless. Yes. You know, yes. and this kind of move away from fashion week, yeah, spring, summer, autumn, winter. So I think, like, yeah. what do you think about that? Because I feel like that seems to me to be a step in the right direction. It's yes. brave, though, I think, for those bigger brands. Yes, I agree. And I mean, it, it, in terms of how many collections we get per year, when you think of it, it is a lot. Like, mm. I feel as though, you know, we've just done this season and, oh, goodness, like, there's more new arrivals coming. Like, it, it doesn't feel that it ever really stops with the new arrivals and the new collections and the new seasons. So, I'm all for it. I think it's um, – I do think it's the the right step hmm. in the in the right direction. Well, hopefully yes. it keeps going. Yes. Interesting. Um, I've got a few more questions for you before I let you go. Mm. I want to flip from fashion to beauty. Okay. <laughs> yes. um, tell us about your relationship with makeup because I guess that's another way that we um, present ourselves to the world that makes us feel more confident. Yes. What's your relationship with makeup? Perfect. So I feel with makeup I've always loved a very natural look. I've never really thought I've been any good at makeup, which is probably why I do keep it nice and natural. Um, so yeah, a really good foundation. I, I was mentioning a little bit earlier that I have recently started using the Estee um, Double Wear, which I love. I mix a couple of my shades together to get like the perfect shade. Do you know me. your shades? I feel like I ask people, they're like, I I have it's, it at home, but I don't know what it's oh, called. Oh, it's so funny. I just said to myself this morning, I'm like, I need to get my, my shades tested again because I've got so much sun over the past couple of weeks um that it's time to like go a bit darker which is good um but yes I feel like my shades that and that's why I do try to mix two together because I feel like I'm I'm always kind of in between or mm, they talk about um like having a foundation wardrobe and I think that's quite cute oh, in a way it's true yes. especially I think to your point in Australia we don't actively a lot of us don't actively seek out the sun to get a tan yes yes but we do kind of naturally I mean I feel dark now but I haven't sunbaked the entire summer yes so I think we do need kind of one to three shades you know absolutely it's so true and it's like yeah it's just it's just I guess it does come down to being Australia we can just walk around the street and we're kind of going to get some colour. So, yeah, it is. I've actually liked that thought of having a foundation Isn't wardrobe. It cute? I like it. It makes sense. I know. Yeah. What a beautiful segue Gab provided me to talk more about double wear. Much more than a foundation, it exists to help women wear confidence and feel empowered to take on the day. With the type of clientele Gab's interacting with and perhaps even the powers that be inside some of the world's most respected fashion houses, I think a big part of Gab's success relies on people at least perceiving her as confident. So I asked her to share her tips for projecting confidence in any room. Her answer was kind of beautifully simple. 
It does again come down to being comfortable in your own skin and believing in yourself and what you're speaking about. So if I am, you know, speaking about my business, I really believe in in my business and the future of it. So I feel that that naturally comes off very confidently. Mm. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that's that's how I would sum that question up. Yeah. Yes. Um, two more questions. Yes. What will we be wearing for the second half of 2021? I feel like I'm so out of the loop <laughs> with like trends and yes. fashion. But um, so let's say from kind of winter onwards, mm-hmm. what are some of those pieces? I was looking at vests the other day, you know, like the button up vests. Oh, yeah. That's one thing I've seen kind of floating yes, around. Floating around. Yes. There was actually, speaking of which, who was it? They, it? It was probably an influencer that I saw wearing. It was probably the color of this jacket and it was a vest mm. and like long pants. Mm. And I was like, oh, that looks so look. chic. It's a look. I can see a lot of that happening. Yeah. And like the loafers, I definitely feel are having a moment. These Chanel ones I love. Um, but I can see that with the vest down to a T. It'll be interesting. I think it'll be interesting, especially with how COVID plays out this year. I know that a lot of the trends from last year kind of were developed because of the fact that our lifestyles changed dramatically. So, I mean, I think everyone's touching wood that by mid-year there will be some normality in our lives and perhaps that will um, play a role in what we see ourselves wearing. wearing. Yeah, Yeah. so we can get out of our loungewear. I think a lot of people will not want another (laughs) pair of sweats for a long time. It was like really fun in the beginning and really comfortable and you realise how uncomfortable you can make yourself with your outfits. Yes. Even just like getting dressed today, I was like... (laughs) I'm going to straighten my hair. I'm going to put mascara on. Oh, my goodness. Yes. It's so – and I'm I'm with you. The first maybe a few weeks or such months, I was having a field day. I was buying slippers. I was buying (laughs) this. I was like, this is great. And then I was like, oh, goodness, like, no, no more. I'm ready to to dress up again. I just feel like a bit of a sloth at home, don't you? Yes. Um, Yes. So I ask each of my guests a final question. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, offline exists as an exploration of self and who are we without the Instagram followings. And like for you, like you've built a business on your name and there's a real perception of who you are based on what you do. So when you take that away and when you're sitting in your, you know, how I think about our truth, our true self, Yes. who are you and what comes up when I ask that question? Oh, the immediate thought that I had is that I am a kind, genuine person. I feel if you stripped everything away from me, so you took away like my business or my Instagram, whatever it may be, it wouldn't change the fact that I love everyone. I'm inclusive and welcoming to everyone. And I think that that comes down to being who I am, which is a very kind and loving and positive person. Well, you can tell. Oh. It's my first time meeting you. Oh. And you've made me feel very comfortable very quickly. Oh, thank you. So I, I appreciate that. that. Thank and you. um congratulations on what you've built. I especially mm. love small town girls. Mm. With no networks, I, so I have a very yes. similar story. Yes. It's very unlikely for us to be, quote, unquote, successful. Yes. And so it's very heartwarming when 
when I hear stories like yours. So congrats on what you've built. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And thank you for being on my podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them.